Good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone here, and good morning, everyone watching and listening online. We are Nord Free Methodist Church. Uh, it's a beautiful fall day here today. I like the crispness of this time. I'm done with the heat. That's just me personally. But um, okay, so I want to talk about something today that relates to everybody. I'm going to walk this out carefully because this is a this is a this can be challenging um, because it touches us in a very um, tender spot at times. We're going to talk a little bit about, well, I'll tell you in a second. I've been studying Moses for a while, but it led me to some thinking, and I promise you I'm not going to teach you about dead guys, okay? We're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about 2019 in our lives. But one thing I noticed about Moses, now this is a hero of the faith, right? Number one, don't ever look at people in the Bible and take away their humanity. Even Christ Jesus. They're not super. They're not smarter. They're not better. They had bad days just like everybody else. These are just people who made decisions. You understand what I'm saying? Good and bad. But stop it. If the Bible says God is no respecter of man, that means God does not love David any more than he loves you. Do you hear me? The head nods would acknowledge this. Okay, I need you with me today, guys. This is going to get heavy. So David, so here's what happened. As you know, man, again, don't take away the, the harshness too. So the Egyptians were murdering all of the babies of the Israelites. How's that? That's horrible. They'd be born. They'd send a cavalry over there to kill the babies. That's what they were doing. And well, one time, you know, Moses, as you know, uh, his, his mother put, floated him down the river. Now, there's a lot of speculation there that, that uh, she knew who would be down that river at what time of day. You understand what I'm saying? No mother who's willing to sacrifice her entire family would just put the baby in and say, Godspeed, little baby. <laughs> Avoid the water moccasins. You know what I mean? We have a feeling that they knew because she was in with the palace, which is evidenced with the fact that later on that the daughter goes to work in the palace. But anyway, so he grows. He considers the Hebrews. Uh, he has compassion on them. He sees their slavery. He sees an Egyptian whipping a Hebrew, and, and he kills him. So Moses, your pal, who you thought was more faithful than you, is now a murderer. First-degree, cold-blooded murder. Okay? Well, maybe it wasn't premeditated, but you know what I'm trying to say. Murderer, dude. And so here's what happens. He mar Everybody finds out. Moses flees. Boom. And what we might not know about the story is found in the New Testament. We know that God speaks to him in the burning bush. Uh, we tell he get the burning bush, the voice from the burning bush, which Jesus later identifies as him, Jesus. Jesus says it himself. He says, go free my people. I've heard them. But let's check out this first slide from the book of Acts, the New Testament. This is the Acts of the early church. It teaches us something about the past. It says, when Moses heard this, he fled to Midian where he settled as a foreigner and he had two sons. After 40 years passed, then an angel appeared to Moses in the flames of a burning bush in the desert near Mount Sinai. So maybe you thought he murdered the Egyptian, took off, regrouped, boom, burning bush. No. 40 years passed. That's crazy. And I've touched on this before, but it brings me to a huge conclusion. 40 years of tending someone else's sheep, by the way. Tending someone else's sheep. That's a big deal. Our lives consist of seasons as ordained by God. You guys remember the birds back in the day quoted the Bible to everything, turn, turn, turn. Best, one of the best eras in music history, by the way, is the 60s. I don't care who we are. <laughs> it was. Now, I would say big band was better, but we can have that discussion any time of the week. How old are you, AJ? I don't know. <laughs> you talk like you're 80. But anyway, sorry. Um, I've totally lost my point here. 
Okay. Our lives consist of seasons as sung by the birds. <laughs> but one thing we have to know, and this is where we're getting into our message as we see our brothers and sisters in the Bible. One of the seasons ordained in our lives, and this is the part that I don't want to tell you about, but I have to because it's true, is the desert season. This is not a popular topic. You're not going to hear a lot of pastors get excited about it, and you're probably not going to leave here feeling like you were out of a birthday party, okay? But I want to tell you that one of the seasons that we walk through as we follow Christ is the desert season. So let's talk about it, though, because I'm not here. This isn't gloom and doom, but uh, this is the truth. Now, this message, um, <clears throat> I would not have heard this message early in my faith. I would have said, not true, la, 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 la. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to do that. Not me. But step one is this. Follow me here as I make the case that our faith journeys lead through the desert. Because honestly, this is, uh, this is not gloom and doom. It actually points out that we do serve a good father. Okay? So hang in here for a couple minutes and let's do this thing. So um, I'm talking about a period of time, a season in our lives that we find to be very difficult, trying, and so much more. And we'll talk about what it is and why it's important. But first, I want to show you what I mean by we all walk it. Let's look at Joseph. Let's do some math here for Joseph. Joseph was a young man of 17. He was tending the flocks with his brothers, son of Bilhah, Zilpha, blah, blah. Okay, so you know Joseph, the cocky little dude with the coat. Next slide, please. He was 17 here. Two full years pass. He gets, okay, he gets thrown into slavery. He gets thrown into an actual prison. He thinks he's going to get out because he helps someone else out. Then two more years pass. Let's do the last one. And we got some math here. Joseph was actually 30 when he comes out of his desert season. Quick math. What's 30 minus 17? 13, is it? That's 13 years of being a slavey slave slave. Like, don't church it up. He was property. And then he was a prisoner falsely. 13 years. Joseph didn't get off easy either. David is anointed with oil and he's given a promise and the ability. And he says, you will be the next king. You will unite Israel for the first time. Now go back and watch that sheep for your dad. Huh? I, what? I'm, my head's all wet. Samuel's here. This is, go, go, bye-bye. Years and years and years and years pass. So do you see what I'm trying to get at? I mean, don't let culture lie to you here because we have microwaves and fast food. Number one, <clears throat> We all pass through a desert season. And number two, thinking that we're going to get everything that we're going to get and now can lead us to disillusionment. Does, does that make sense? Paul was baptized in Damascus, began to powerfully preach Christ Jesus, and then goes into exile for three years. People don't think of that. They think Paul, boom, and then, no, three years in exile. So let's do this. Well, hold on. I got to get, get the main one. What about Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith? What about Yeshua? who actually 30 years of obscurity, learning, growing, hanging out with his dad, blue-collar worker, and then ends up in a real desert with the prince of darkness tempting him directly. I don't think I can make a case that says any of us are going to get around desert seasons in our lives. Does that make sense? So let's do this. There are deserts of our faith journeys, times when it's hard, trying, when it's hard to keep going, to keep hope, Hard to understand what's happening. Almost impossible to keep faith that God is working. In you, in your body, in your family, in your marriage, whatever it may be, there are seasons when it just gets hard for a long time. And I get that. 
This is a helpful and loving message, I promise you this. But every desert season we go through looks different. We saw Joseph's, David's, Paul, Jesus, and all of them I said are different. Some deserts we walk through can be less dramatic, less spectacular, like being in a job you can't stand, but knowing you have to stay and you have to make ends meet. Desert could be unemployment, trying all you can, but you can't land the job. I've been there. What about being single? We're being single again. These can be desert seasons, man. Uh, praying and praying that God will bring you somebody. Or, or how about infertility? Well, my wife and I, we didn't necessarily have infertility, but we had a few pregnancy losses. And I'll tell you, that darn sure was a, a desert season. Not knowing the future. God, are you going to let us have children? Am I going to get to be a dad? You're darn right that's a desert season. I'll give you a couple other desert seasons in my life. Burying nearly everyone in my family that's older than me. By the time I was 26, I am the top rung, pretty much. Well, it makes Christmas as easy. It's one, one phone call. But um, that's a desert season when you look around at the family photos and go, wow, I'm one of the only people left. And I'm not old. That's a desert season where you wonder what the heck is going on. Dude, if I don't cuss today, I'm, this is going to be a miracle. There's like three of them shooting down. Well, because I'm passionate about this because I feel the hurt. I'm kind of in a desert season now that's none of y'all's business, but I'm feeling the hurt. You know what I'm saying? And when I feel hurt, I use hurting words. Because <laughs> some things don't stink. Some, some things aren't crappy. When your husband gives you divorce papers, it's not a crappy day. And if that's your language, man, you got to go play on The Simpsons, be Ned Flanders. Some word, anyway, I'm not going to encourage you to swear, but if I ever swear, give me grace, okay? I don't cuss, I don't, I don't curse people. That's a different thing, but anyway. So whether you're in one now or you think you will go through a desert season or you have, please hear me today that God is saying, we don't needlessly suffer. There's the difference. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? I, I mean, I know I'm still building up the message here, but we don't needlessly suffer. Yes, we're going to go through desert seasons, but we don't need to fear that because God has built something in there. These desert seasons are not mistakes. They're not simply consequences of actions in your life. Now, time out. Some of the crap you're walking through is because you made bad decisions. That's totally true. Listen, come on, open up your eyes and you know what I'm talking about. And I know what I'm talking about. Some people say everything happens for a reason. No, sometimes you're stupid and make bad decisions. Don't get... <laughs> Come on, guys. What, do you want me to not be honest with you? But this is not what I'm talking about. And by the way, we all do that. And I'd be a really bad preacher who you trust to bring you truth if I didn't say you're sitting in some of your own pit. I'll help you out. Well, let's not lie about it. But that's not even what I'm talking about. I'm talking about desert seasons where... Sometimes things happen to us, and like I say, we get stuck. Now, Chuck Swindoll calls it God's Wilderness University, and here's where we're going to get to the good part. Sometimes God, whether we like this or not, seems to purposefully allow us to remain in a place longer than we want. But let's look at that for a second and be encouraged, okay? Yes. Chuck Swindoll calls it God's Wilderness University, and there's four majors here. I'm going to do a little formatting today, Bruce, believe it or not, after our conversation yesterday. The first major is this, the major of obscurity. The desert season is where you become very aware that you are a nobody when it comes to the kingdom of God. And if you're uncomfortable with that, make an appointment for me. And I will prove to you how your value does not come from what you do. You don't have anything to offer God. You're not his special little hero. But he chooses to love you and call you special and ordained. But if you think you're walking up and you got a gold star because of this is just what I bring, the desert of obscurity, the wilderness of obscurity might be good for you. Okay, because here's what we all need to realize. We are, we are dust. I almost said butt dust, but I'm too young and juvenile, and I would have laughed at that. And I can't yell at my kid if he laughs at stupid things like that. 
I get him in more trouble than anyway. Sorry, sorry, sorry. The major obscurity, man. The wilderness seasons will take any illusions that you're somebody special and tear it down. You could be somebody special in this world. Absolutely. Feel free. Build something up here and then watch it all tear down. Watch the waves come and take it away when you die. We're talking about the kingdom of God. Blessed are the poor in spirit, say the Beatitudes. Anybody ever read those? Let me give you um, what the, the Greek word picture is in that. That's the Greek word picture of the poor in spirit. Dependent upon the alms of another. Blessed are you when you realize you don't have a darn thing to offer God. That, that your merit means nothing in the kingdom of God. And the wilderness usually will reveal that. I remember a wilderness university. Well, university. I remember a wilderness time for me after college where I had moved out to Colorado and I had lost a lot of things in my life. I had lost my band and I had lost my friends and graduated. And I remember um, at that point losing my, I had a five-year relationship uh, and I lost that. And I just remember having essentially nothing. And one thing I truly realized as I was grasping at things I couldn't keep and as things were being taken away from me, I realized just how powerless I really was. Do you understand what I'm saying? This isn't just about pride. It's also about being powerless and realizing that. I'm looking around at some of the desert seasons we've walked through for people through medical things. What's the first thing you feel when you go into that hospital? Your dignity gets dug at, doesn't it? They can't figure out how to make a freaking gown with a back that you... Well, it's 2019, man. We've got microwaves now. We still got to show your butt? I, I real, whatever, whatever. There's a money-making idea for you. No, but right? Your dignity gets pulled at. Or I think of the Cuthberts who another car crossed the line in front of them. Bam! Life, these desert seasons, will teach you just how powerless you truly are. Do you understand what I'm saying? And that helps you get down on your knees instead of standing there proud. The wilderness is very much for us as well. When we're speaking about Moses, do you know that he had the best education on the planet? They, they proved back through hieroglyphics that, let me tell you the, some of the studies they had through hieroglyphics. Um, they did hieroglyphics, they did different languages, they did military strategy, um, <clears throat> they did a bit of ecosystem, a bit of like weather, things like this. So Moses was actually in school back then. One of the only educated people on the planet. Now listen, if Pharaoh didn't have any sons, can you prove to me Moses wasn't going to be the next Pharaoh? Fair, okay, Moses was being raised by Pharaoh's daughter. There were other little boys running around, despite what the movies tell you. You see? But I'll tell you something. How long do you think he was out in that dry land taking care of someone else's sheep before he realized he wasn't all that? How long do you think it takes in the desert before you realize, wow, I, I can't do anything to change my fortune, my future. My education means nothing out here, Right? Time out, I'm going to jump ahead. Do you think God could have used him if he thought it was all going to be in his own strength? God was about to do things that would echo through eternity. Do you think he could have done it with a man who thought he was doing it in his own strength? I don't think God shares glory for one moment, do you? And I don't think he should, by the way. It's not about us, guys. <clears throat> we have to realize that on our own, who we are is no different than anybody else without God. It's not about us. And lately I've been talking about this. Entitlement is everywhere in our culture today. Everybody will tell you that you deserve it. I deserve it. I deserve this. I deserve that. And obscurity will help you realize we're going to examine all the I deserves in our lives. And we're going to do what Uncle AJ always says. Ask ourselves, who told you you deserve that? That desert season you're in or have gone through, it taught you that, didn't it? It taught you to look around and go, 
I'm grateful for these breaths I take. I'm grateful for days when I can be home in my recliner and not in this hospital bed. I'm grateful for the people I love. Get what I'm trying to say? So these desert seasons start to show value, don't they? We all run from them. We don't want to be in them. And I understand it. Me too. Like I said, the one I'm in now, I don't want to be in it at all. But I'm starting to see that God has wisdom and uses these things. And that the path of our destiny will run through a desert season here or there. Okay. We do not need to be afraid. Let me kick it in time. Kick it into gear here. Number one, the second, number two, the second major is time. There are no microwaves in the kingdom of God. Just because culture changes, don't think Holy Spirit and God do. They don't. Okay, here's what we learned. We learned to step off the fast track, the now, now, or when, God, when track. The desert seasons always seem to take longer than we want. Sometimes they're painfully long. We can all understand that. Waiting to heal, waiting for a spouse, waiting for that job, trying these new meds, whatever it may be. This bout of depression, not getting out of this one as quickly. I, I understand this, man. But we learn to see time differently. To respect it, number one, and turn it over to the one who controls it. See, time is yours, Father. And all the while I'm watching the clock, I'm almost believing this falsity that time is mine to manipulate, right? And to control. But actually, you control time. You're the one who spun these things up and put the earth where it is. And the rotating, time is God's. And nothing's going to move unless he moves it. How desperately do we claw at that page trying to get to the next one? Come on, just turn the page, God. Turn the page, God. And God's saying this, learn to see time my way. Because time is mine. Oh, I want to get into physics right now, but I don't, I don't have time. It's dimensionality. And God is, occupies all the dimensions and we don't. We are, we are subject to our three plus four's time. We can't slide up and down the timeline, but we act like we can. Only God occupies all his dimensions. You might as well try to manipulate the eighth or tenth dimension. You can't do that. Sorry, sorry, that's for me. Now, here's the thing. God is simply saying this in these times. Be still. Just trust me today. That's what he's saying. I know waiting is hard. I get that. It's bearing and producing things inside of you that you don't have access to see. Do you trust me today? And some of us can say this. No, not today. And can I tell you something you might never hear from up here? That's okay. Do you know that? Some days I don't trust God very much either. And yes, I'd always inevitably look behind me, see his faithfulness, and I go, what a schmuck for not trusting this time. But can I tell you that I am made of virtually nothing? I am not too proud of my strength at all. Some days I don't feel like trusting. But this is the season where that muscle learns to grow. Does that make sense? Nobody wants it. It's not popular or flashy, but it produces things inside of us we couldn't get anywhere else. <clears throat> the third major for this. It's a major in solitude. The desert seasons are a lonely place. Brenda and Steph have shared quite a bit about this through the years. In our darkest days, ironically, we feel the most alone. You can be surrounded by a world of people, and you are, but you feel so terribly, utterly alone, don't we, in those desert seasons? There's something to that, though. Lots of times we actually are alone, but if not, we feel alone, we feel lonely, we feel isolated, we feel rejected, we feel like nobody understands. Nobody has the same pain I do. Am I the only one suffering? And I'm suffering by myself. Everyone else seems happy in their marriage. Everyone else seems good. Look at them. Everyone else is married or able to have kids, have a good job, whatever it is, able to kick the addiction. They're not depressed. The desert is lonely, man. Jesus, by himself in the desert. David, 
out with the sheep, right? Joseph sitting in a prison cell. Usually don't let you in general population. You're usually by yourself, right? This is hard. I know this is hard. The desert is lonely. The final major in God's wilderness university is discomfort. This season hurts. It always hurts. So why am I doing this? For one, knowing where you are is very important. Do you know that? Okay, here, here's the thing. A lot of us are woodsmen. Uh, they logged around my house. Not my house. They logged the land that I hunt. And I'm one of the most frustrating things, and, and I'm comfortable enough as a man to say that I've almost cried over this. I can't find my hunting spot because they leveled the spot. Bill, you and me, right? You know what I mean? I can't find the thing. And it's driving me crazy because it was a deer superhighway last year. And I'm sitting there, and I'm trying so hard. I'm like, here's the mud pit. There's that giant tree with the posted sign. I'm not making this up. Turn here. Where's that damn tree? Because, And I can't find the thing. Sometimes walking back, I don't really know where I am. And can I tell you something? If you're walking around in the woods, one of the first things you want to do if you're actually lost is to acknowledge you're lost. Because until you acknowledge you're lost, you won't try to be found. Does that make sense? You won't do the things you need to do to get out of there. But I've had that disorienting feeling. Knowing where you are is very important. Because here's the thing. If you don't know that you're in a desert, here's the lies you'll start to believe. And the enemy will jump right on that. We have a spiritual enemy. You don't have to like it. It's reality. If we don't know that we're in a desert season, we're going to start believing the lie that this is a mistake. It'll never end. This is just my life right now. Or, you know, this is just my life from now on. Do you get it? If you don't understand you're in a desert, you just think this is life. As opposed to going, this is just a season. It's a desert. It has value. I wish someone could shake younger AJ. I remember I used to stand outside the auto lab and smoke cigarettes. And I wish, I remember sitting there and one thing I do miss about smoking, I got outside more often <laughs> and more time to talk. Whatever, dude. If Look, we wouldn't get addicted to it if it wasn't something good about it, okay? Let's not deny it. But I remember just getting out there and thinking, oh, what's my life going to be like? And things are so hard. I wish adult AJ could quantum leap back and just go, Ugh. listen, these hardships you're going through, dude, it's just a season. It's just a desert season, buddy. You're loved. You're, I mean, you're safe in the arms of God. You know him. Yeah. Well, then don't freak out, buddy. This is a desert season. And I would decompress. And I would still have joy in those desert days, right? But if you don't know where you are, you'll believe the lie that you're always going to be there. It's just a season. I'm at, and whoever I'm talking to right now, it's just a season. You're not lost. It's a season of purpose. It's not a mistake. In fact, I want to say this, and this might be offensive. It's ordained even. And that's a hard thing to get your head around. I know that. I know that. Do we think God doesn't see us or notice us? Now, I'm going to say something weird that's totally off schedule, but it happened this morning. So I woke up a little earlier than my alarm, and um, I was having a weird dream that I uh, stole a car or something. Yeah, I stole a car, and I was with a bunch of other dudes, and then, oh, I stole this guy's car, and he wasn't too big about it. It was a nice car. And then uh, it was a sort of a criminal activity situation where um, all of the like the, the punishment was going to be dealt in-house. And I remember like, oh, man, these guys are going to like essentially kill me. You know, I stole that dude's car. And uh, there was an axe and other things. But the, the overall feeling I had, now follow me if you can hear, feel this. I remember what it was like to live my life before I knew God. Because I was very afraid and scared and had nowhere to go with it. 
Now, this is heavy deep, and some of you are hearing it right now, and you're there. But I remember, like, being all alone. Because in my dream, it's a false reality where God doesn't exist. That's why anxiety and fear doesn't make much sense. You're creating a reality that doesn't exist where God can't exist. But I just remembered that. Gordon, are you getting me on this one? I didn't, I, I didn't grow up in church. And so I, didn't, I thought Jesus was what you said when you stubbed your toe or something went wrong. But after I opened my heart to him and started to become to know him, because I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't actually know him. You know what I'm saying? I wouldn't be following him. But now if I'm scared or my kids are sick or something like that, I'm never alone in it. You know what I'm saying? But for a moment this morning, I, I had that feeling again when I was 16 or 17 years old where you're just freaking out and all you can do is in your own strength. Does anybody remember that? Don't ever let go of that. That's, that's tremendously important because the desert season will make you think that's the case, but it's not the case. We sing a song called Never Once Have We Ever Walked Alone. Anybody remember that song? Never once did you lead us on our own. You are faithful, God. You are faithful. The desert actually leads somewhere, God. Guys, and as I'm getting ready to close, I want to tell you this. When Jesus becomes our Lord, which simply means this, I give you authority in my life. That's all that means. So when people say, is Jesus your Lord and Savior? It's, does Jesus have authority in your life? Does he have authority to say, hey, the way you're treating your kid, hey, whatever it is, bring that to me and let's work it out. Does that make sense? Don't get too crazy about that. It, giving him the authority. We'll do things your way. Well, you know what we can do? We can actually keep Jesus the Lord of our deserts too. And there's something I did not do well ever in my life. When I was in a desert, I was too busy freaking out, shaking my fist at the sky, saying this is taking too long. I never thought about simply saying, Lord, you're the Lord of all things. Be the Lord of this, this heartache and hurt here too. And let me trust you to be in this desert with me. I didn't do that. I was too busy kicking and flailing. And take some advice from Uncle AJ. It doesn't have to be that way. Now, let's, let's, I, I should have told you this. I created a song. As you can see, can we just go piece by piece? What's the first one? Here are things that, um, yeah, wait, up, up one. Yeah. Okay, so before we close, I want to show you this. When God gets a hold of us, we turn to him and we become adopted. In the process, uh, you know, of, of, of working with our hearts, sometimes God finds resistant layers. Just like any dad or mom who went to an orphanage and would try to get to know a son or daughter, you're going to find some things that don't work, right? Oh, the kid's angry. Oh, the kid steals. Whatever it may be. So let me show you something that the desert does to encourage you here. There's some exterior barriers in our lives that God removes to renovate our souls and bring us to our best lives. And then we're going to close it down. Here we go. First one he finds is pride. We all have it. And like I said, Moses, Joseph, Paul, all these guys... Uh, not Jesus, of course. Jesus knew who he was. Um, what does God do to make us realize that the only special thing about us is whose we are? He uses obscurity. So in the desert, to work on the pride that we have, he gives us obscurity. And the next one we have, he finds this, fear. And what does he do for uh, to help us with fear? He brings the passing of time. God uses the passing of time to remove fear. It's the only way. We learn that things are not out of control or out of hand when they take this long. Does that make sense? He'll just never change that husband of mine. Things are out of control. It's just, it's never going to happen. It's never going to, here's the thing. The desert season to attack our fear, he gives you the passing of time. It's a gift even to show you, listen, nothing is beyond my reach. Nothing is out of control. And then he finds and then the next barrier, resentment and bitterness. I know you can't see that because of the script I use, but he uses solitude. If there's barriers of resentment and bitterness, he uses solitude. By removing other voices and distractions, outs or coping mechanisms, a lot of times we're left with just him and me. 
him and you. And in that face-to-face loneliness, that solitude, we gain a fresh perspective. This is when we release our rights and what we think we should have, and we turn it over to God. We realize in the glory of his presence that there's nothing to be resentful about or bitter. And we, we surrender those things in solitude. That's one of the reasons we feel so alone. Does that make sense? Because in that, like you say, the other voices around you get quieter. That's when you learn to listen and hear the voice speaking directly to you. And some of you think I'm crazy. Do you hear from God? Yes, yes, I actually do. And, but this is where I train that inner ear muscle. Solitude. Some of us are so scared of silence. God uses silence very, very much. That's why, I, okay, I'm not gonna turn this into a guy-girl thing, but that's why I'm really looking forward to getting my tree stand out there to get in the quiet. <laughs> Moving on. Um, anyway, God is a God of intimacies after our hearts. There's a few reactions when I talk about suffering. Number one, we think we don't need it. She needs it. He need. They need it. I don't. That's pride. Second, I'm tired of this. I've been here too long. I can't remember the green grass anymore. Uh, in, the, in the scope of things, that's short-sightedness. And the third one is this. We have a third posture. And it's this. This is what we'll close on today. Accept it. And that's hard. I go to the hospitals, guys. Uh, I sit down with those married couples. But the third posture when you're facing a desert season, and this is the one I would recommend, is to accept it. This is my today. It's not my forever. God is in control, and I accept it. Does that make sense? It's the last thing you want to do in a desert season, and the first thing you need to do in the desert season, to accept it. The desert season is where we truly get to know God, where it becomes not everyone else's God, becomes not the God of my fathers. Remember that in the Bible? The God of Jacob, the God of... No, this, the desert season where he became AJ's God. I'm AJ, by the way. That's where. So let's sing, you guys. I'm sorry if you're in a desert season right now as your fellow human being, your fellow traveler through this life. I don't want... I don't want to see people suffer. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not trying to... But I also can't minimize its value. I'm trying to walk that balance. So here we go. Let's uh, let's sing a song. We've got I Still Believe. This song, just a little, ba- a little uh, background information as I sing Jeremy Camp's I Still Believe. Jeremy wrote this after his wife, his new bride, died of cancer shortly after their honeymoon. And it wasn't a surprise, but after their honeymoon, they got married, went on their honeymoon, then she passed away. And he wrote down this song. So keep that in mind as we're singing this. Scattered words and empty thoughts seem to pour from my heart I've never felt so torn before seems I don't know where to start but it's now that I feel your grace fall like rain from every fingertip washing away my Pain. I still believe in your faithfulness, and I still believe in your truth, and I still believe in your. 
up my mind with promises I still seem to bear. And even when answers slowly unwind, it's my heart I see you prepare. But it's now that I feel your grace fall like rain from every fingertip washing away. Father God, that it does seem like every path runs through the desert. And sometimes we've heard, Lord God, that if we choose to follow you, we get a winning lottery ticket and no suffering at all, but we don't see that, Father God. We don't see that in your word. We see that suffering is a part of this journey, Lord God. But we ask, Father God, that whether we're in it now, Lord God, or looking back at it, we ask, Father God, that this, these desert seasons would not tear us farther from you, Father. We pray that, you, that they, they would draw us to you. Where else can we go, Father God? You alone, Lord God, are faithful and loving. 
And Lord God, even if you don't remove that source of suffering on this day, Father God, we know that you're the comforter. And so many of us, Father God, with wisdom that you've given us, look back and realize that this is all very true. That good things came out of our desert seasons. And that you were good even in the desert, Lord God. So help us to have that perspective, Father God, in our desert seasons, in our suffering, even in the challenges we face, Father. May those challenges never draw us farther away from you, but may they lead us to your loving arms. It's the only place we can go when we throw our feeble prayers to you in our heartache and our hurting. You are good, Father, and your love endures. We love you, Father. In Jesus' name, we choose to just say that we still believe. Let's just sing that chorus one more time. Because I still believe in your faithfulness. Even if we just barely get the words out today, guys. And I still believe in your truth. We're choosing to hang on, Lord. And I still believe in your Great week.